0: Good evening and welcome along to the new edition of
1: uh, Paddock Piss by uh, IRC, Uh, that was a handful, sorry, (laughs) this is me, Black Sheep, we're here joined on a a beautiful Monday after the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa-Francorchamps, I'm joined by my trusty comrades, um, Marina Baby, Adil Chinoy and Babaji, hello guys.
2: Hello, 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 good to be back.
0: Yep.
1: Okay. We'll kick things off as we usually do um, with our quick uh, recap of the race and what our initial thoughts was. Thoughts were. Uh, I'll go last, um, but let's start with Mara yourself.
0: Well, uh, yeah. What is that to say? I mean, the race uh, went as we expected, with Mercedes pretty much blowing everyone away. Uh, I think they were at one point conserving engine power on one of the most engine-sensitive or power-sensitive tracks on the calendar, but uh, yeah, a few good performances in there today, Gasly being, uh, I think, we'll get to that later, but Gasly being probably leading that charge. Um, Of course, we do have a lot to talk about the Ferrari performance. Uh, I think it's the worst performance that I have seen by Ferrari in the 20 years I've been watching Formula One. Uh, But apart from that, yeah, it was a very good race, a lot of good overtaking, but uh, pretty boring at the front
2: yeah true this for me this race was quite quite frankly insulting to the spa track itself wasn't even full at all in terms of how the top top drivers took it but yeah the midfield was quite interesting and i hope we can get get into that soon
1: okay yeah i think i'll agree with most of that um very boring up front um midfield was interesting but i think midfield last year was more exciting than it was this year. I was hoping for I don't know, I don't really know what happened. I don't know. It wasn't as exciting as I expected it to be. I thought everybody was so close to each other, all the teams in the midfield. Um probably barring I guess Alfa Romeo, Haas and Williams. Um the rest of the guys, I think there's four other teams. They I was hoping they'd be very competitive with each other, but they really weren't. Um I think part of that could be mostly that I think science wasn't even part of the race. So that was um um you know a great midfield car that was missing up front to start off with, um, but yeah it was all in all it was a bit more di- it, it was disappointing for, for for what a race should be at Spa I think for me yeah,
2: the cars were lapping the same almost all the midfield ones so we didn't get to see much action it was more of a parading scene I I guess yeah I
0: think uh, yeah that's certainly the the midfield battle wasn't as close as some of the other uh, races that we've seen which is very uncharacteristic of spa as a as a circuit
1: yeah and i'm not really sure what to put that out on i think i i know what one of the reasons is is that the first safety car came out roundabout roughly just before the first safety uh, sorry not safety um pit stop window was to open anyway so it gave everybody an opportunity to just make a free pit stop and there was no action based on people trying to undercut each other or overcut each other um That was completely taken out of the race and everybody just did that one stop on most of the guys i think barring uh Perez and Gasly um and i think yeah there was there was there was no element of strategy coming into play at all
2: yeah i agree with you that's probably the reason why the race was quite a bit stale in the midfield due to that strategy that played out one thing i was
0: actually hoping for when the safety car came out a bit early is um is uh, it was very similar to silverstone where We had a group of people starting on the medium, some starting on the softs, and a safety coming out too early would force everyone to go on to the hard tyres and take them to the end. So, I was praying for it to be a repeat of the Silverstone Grand Prix uh, with a huge amount of excitement towards the last couple of laps, but I think uh, the number 44 had it on lap 44 very, 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 very easy.
1: Yeah. Plus cooler track, cooler temperatures, in fact they were struggling. To maintain heat in the tires towards the end. Really? I think the, the guy, yeah, but... guys. The, 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 yeah, I heard in some of the interviews after the race. Um, I think Vettel said that as well. He was struggling to even have any temperature in the tires. That's how. Um, that's how. Cold the track and the conditions were.
0: Oh, I just think that's the that's a factor of the Ferrari just not being quick enough to heat its tires up.
1: No, no, no. It was pretty much the same. <laughs> I think Max was saying that as well. Um, because Daniel was somehow because he was asked a question as to why Daniel was able to, you know. cut down the gap so much towards the end and he said, you know, we just didn't have the temperature in the tyres to get any grip out of them.
2: Yeah. No, I was just being facetious, but yeah. There aren't much long corners in Spa, like Silverstone, so the tyres didn't take much of a beating, even though the distance was quite long, so it's understandable, even though I guess all were hoping for that tyre, some Fidasco again.
1: I mean, you did see the shot at the end when Hamilton pulled in for the podium and he inspected his what he <laughs> front right that he was also for some reason complaining about um, and there was nothing wrong with it actually there was no tread there was no i mean there was no uh, graining or there's no not much wear yeah. on it
0: yeah i don't think is a very high uh, high uh, graining circuit for the tires it's just that the circuit is so long that any change in tire wear will give you a a lot more performance. It's not like the tyres are on their limit. True. True. Um, yeah, moving on. Uh, yeah, I think that's my recap of the race.
2: I guess we can move on to the standings.
0: Uh, before we move on to the standings, I, I don't really know if there were any key standouts, um, standouts in terms of um, team performances that you want to get into before drivers, or should we just do that in line?
1: Team Are performance, you alluding this, to yeah. Ferrari performance somehow. Not just notable team performance.
0: Actually, no. I was more talking about, of course, Ferrari being headliners of of every yeah. race this season. But uh, I'm more talking about Renault. I think this was Renault's highest point tally in an individual race ever. Uh, maybe so that's the contra- same
2: point tally last season in Monza. Was they it? They they Replicated it. Yep. Yeah, they yep. were fourth and
1: fifth, P4, P five, how come um Ricardo Helcombeck? Monza. And they
2: replicated I, that.
0: Yeah, and they replicated that not due to luck, but this was on pure base.
2: True, true. Yeah, so wait, that was, was just, uh, yeah. There was a second Red Bull underneath them, which we'll get to it later on. Of course, but, but yeah,
0: that was just a fun fact that I wanted to bring to the table before. Uh, we Another
2: fun about. fact I would like to say was the fastest Ferrari powered car in the standings was Sir Kimi Raikkonen. Let's not forget that. I can't wait to get to that man.
1: Yeah, he's had a couple of very exciting races, I guess, from his point of view. True. Spain and then. Yeah, so a couple of good performances. Uh, okay, let's begin with our normal proceedings or order, order of uh, proceeding, um, where we go through all the drivers as they finish the race, uh, and we start from the bottom. Um, and sadly, this time around, we're starting with Carlos Sainz. Uh, a DNS did not even start the race. Um, was this was this something that happened when his car was being brought to the to the grid? Is that right? Yes.
0: It yes, was. it was an exhaust failure, I believe. Sorry, just, I want to check mystery if my stream is working. I apologize for switching, but yeah, I think it is.
2: Yeah. He, he oh, complained see. about heating issues in regards to the exhaust, and then when the team came, brought him in to check him out, came an exhaust failure, and he couldn't start the race, which is quite disappointing because it's the second year in a row for him. And last yeah. day, he couldn't start the race on his birthday, so it's just compounding effects.
0: Yeah, I don't think uh, Belgium is a lucky track for the future Ferrari driver, but, yeah, I think uh, that- and that's a pity because Renault, the Renault engine was showing some ridiculous pace in a straight line today, I mean yesterday, yep. over the weekend.
1: Yep, yep.
0: Yep, uh, not much more to say about signs for me, uh, anything you'd like to add, Lakshi, Baba?
1: No, I think it was notable that he's, uh, I think it was good, <laughs> okay so this whole talk about ferrari and how science might be disappointed joining ferrari next year i think has predominantly been going around or making the rounds amongst the fans mostly but i think i was uh, i was slightly surprised that david croft literally just said that out loud um on commentary yesterday as uh, i think as vettel complained to his race engineer and then they cut to Carlos color science's reaction when he was holding his head down <laughs> and Croft mentioned that he wouldn't be disappointed yeah he would be quite disappointed or not looking forward to joining or something to that extent um i thought it was interesting that like you know on on the official commentary for the first time somebody had mentioned that
2: yeah true yeah they made, they made it seem like his impending doom for him and which is most definitely is yeah kind it kind of feels sad man. so go yeah, ahead please. Papa. Kind of feel sad with how the two most talented drivers on the grid are going to be in Ferrari next year. The pro- probably like unsatisfactory machinery, but that's just life.
0: <laughs> well put. Um, anyway, I think what I was going to say is I think people are making a much bigger deal of um, of Ferrari uh, of the Vettel Ferrari relationship than it actually is. Um, it was probably broadcast by Leclerc's frustration as well. No one is ever going to doubt that the Leclerc-Ferrari relationship is probably uh, bordering on romantic. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, and, and at the same time, there were some harsh words over the radio, including Ferrari telling him to turn his radio off yesterday. So um, I don't think that the Vettel-Ferrari partnership is any different. It's just a driver being frustrated by um, and. An incompetent, not, I won't say incompetent, but an underperforming
1: team. Yeah, I, I wouldn't argue that. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else I can add to that. I think we've, just to mention, we've lost Babaji for the time being. I think he's had a power cut. Um, but we'll carry on with the chat. Um, we've only covered one driver so far. But let's move up the order to, 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 to the next person. Uh, that's George Russell. Um, I was really looking forward to his race because that was another Q2 appearance for him. I think he's only missed one, uh, missed making it to Q Q2 once this season so far, which is, the, which must be, yeah. extremely, positive for him. Uh, but yeah, sad, sad way that his race ended. Um, I'm just going to, especially put... when he was trying to avoid the collision in the first place. <laughs> uh, it actually looked st- like
0: something out of an F1 game, to be honest. I've done that before, trying yeah. to avoid a car and going into the wall.
1: Yeah, it's not often you see the tires actually get off the tethers from a car. Um, the tethers are strong enough for that to firstly happen very rarely, and that to then happen and take another driver out, uh, what are the chances of that?
0: Certainly, and I just wanted to say that it looks like Giovinazzi and Russell were just a little too tired to complete the race. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Uh, yeah, but unfortunately, what happened to Giovinazzi? Do you think he lost it on the throttle or on the curb, or a bit of both? Uh, he lost
1: it on the he lost it on the throttle. Uh, I watched his post race interview, and he said he was just too eager to get out of the corner uh, and just went on throttle too early, and the the rear just let loose.
0: Fair enough. I think I remember seeing that with him in a pract- in his first practice session with uh, I think it was Sauber back in 2017. Uh, sorry, he was filling in for line for a couple of races, and in China oh, yeah. he was eager on the too eager on the throttle throughout uh, the session, and he was tending to have way more rear tire wear than his teammate. I think it was Ericsson. Um but yeah, just just a probably characteristic or a uh, aspect of his driving which Giovinazzi needs to improve.
1: Interesting how we have two drivers this year uh, in Carlos Sainz who has. Two consecutive Belgian Grand Prixs with DNS and Giovinazzi. Two consecutive Belgian Grand Prixs with DNFs. Hmm. He crashed here last year on the very last lap as well. Uh, I think at Poon. Uh,
0: another driver like Signs who doesn't have the best luck at Spa. Uh, but yeah, pity that Russell got caught up in the in the um, havoc. Moving on to another Ferrari-powered car.
1: Kevin Magnussen, Haas? Yes,
0: yes, finished 85 seconds behind the leader. Spe- and, that, and that happening after we had a safety car. Uh, so I'm not
1: really sure what's going on with Kevin Magnussen. I know Haas isn't, well, uh, just like every other Ferrari-powered car, not in the best place at the moment. But I think, for some reason, Grosjean seems to be having a, a, a much better season. I think he's consistently finishing above Magnussen, not having as many issues as him. Have we noted that?
0: yes i think we discussed this in one of our earlier podcasts i think grosjean for me uh, is yes. remember his time at lotus when the car suits him he drives really really well and i think this year's car does suit him a little bit better than uh, the last two seasons uh, it is certainly showing and kevin Magnussen, being us let's face it a bit of a hothead um tends mm-hmm. to probably overdrive the car at times and i don't think the haas has the downforce and Especially the fact that they're running aggressive downforce levels uh, to combat the lack of power that the Ferrari engine has is, is uh, causing yeah. Grosjean to probably stand out that uh, stand out much much more above Kevin Magnussen at least be more consistent over the race pace.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, I don't think there's much to add about Kevin Magnussen. A rather uh, that, unnoteworthy race.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's that was my take on Magnussen and Grosjean together. But but fitting the Latifi into the Haas sandwich, um, not much to say about him either. He had a quiet race. I literally can't remember him being on camera even once throughout the 44 laps. Uh,
1: no, I think, well, he finished only one place ahead of another finishing driver, right? So he was pretty much second to last in the drivers that finished the race. And he was consistently pretty much second to last or last in each practice sessions and then qualifying sessions. So, um, I think it's where he is and where he was meant to be. Um, Again, not very eventful in any way.
0: Yeah. Uh, Moving on, I'm not looking forward to talking about P13 and 14 but I guess it's something that we have to do. Uh,
1: Yeah, we've we've covered Grosjean, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, I don't have anything additional to say. I think his performances are better than his teammate, but the car... Uh, the car and the lack of the engine power has not much uh, to contribute to higher race results.
1: True. It seems to have been a bit of a standard in our conversations amongst the last, I guess, six or seven drivers, which usually tend to be the same guys. Um,
0: yeah, I, I like to fancy Formula One as probably the most predictable sport in the world. Um, maybe not at the start of, At the moment. Um, yeah. You... And, and and that's because it is a very engineering intensive sport. People say that Formula One today is all about the car. It's nothing about the driver, but it always was. And if you notice, you see more and more cars finishing in twos rather than having odd results. Now, I know the midfield is closer this season, but if you look yeah. historically, especially towards the end of the, uh, of the V10 era, you would see more and more cars finishing in twos rather than... Um, have in, having a shuffle of, of the grid. Yeah. So, yeah, that's exactly why we can't really say much about, or I can't think of anything creative to say about the Haas drivers, or the Williams for that matter.
1: Mm, okay, cool. I agree. Okay, Ferrari. Uh, I don't know. It's just a world <laughs> of pain. Uh, oh, the um, pain is I so will, evident. My level of frustration yesterday was... It was on a new high. Um, It is painful, absolutely painful to see. And I think I've now got to that point where I'm not even... I I had sort of Mercedes in that category where I'm not going to... I'm just going to completely disregard as if they're not in the race. And I think I'm going to start doing that with Ferrari as well now. I think I need to accept... I think all Ferrari fans need to just accept that this is the way things are for this season and very, very likely next season because... There's No incentive to develop any further with the regulation changes Not in 22. The
0: development is, is limited as well,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I just feel for the drivers, uh, uh and I feel slightly more for Vettel because I think he would have wanted to at least somehow make a bit of a point before he left. Um, uh, but yeah, that's that's about it, yeah, I can't really say much. One thing I would like to
0: touch on, I mean, getting overtaken by your customer teams or struggling to overtake your customer teams is never a good sign for any works, um, works yeah. team at all. But at the same time, what what trouble do you see brewing between the driver team partnership right now? Because it's not looking good at either end of the of the team right now. Because uh, at the close end, the golden boy of Ferrari, the one who's uh Romanticized by every Italian in the world, uh, yep. including the Ferrari engineers, was caught on radio screaming at his uh, pit or his pit crew yesterday, or at his race engineer. Uh, Vettel, at Vettel has been equally elo- eloquent over the course of the entire season, making his own um, setup or setup choices, obviously, but making his own pit stop decisions, strategies, everything, deciding his tires. Um, yep. So where do you Uh, I mean the problem at Ferrari goes way beyond the car so it's it's not just the development we were talking about earlier it's the fact that the team do not have the data and when they do get it right the drivers question them because they don't they don't have any faith in the in the strategic uh, team at Ferrari so
1: this is this is a thing that goes way back to how the culture at Ferrari is I think there's an element of that That there's always been from the time of Enzo Ferrari that drivers are expendable and not to be trusted and they can't be given the same position in the team as you know the team managers or the bosses and so on so you find a team like Mercedes where you know engineers would trust the drivers they would have chats and decisions would be made made together and Ferrari radio you always you always see the drivers questioning something and the team simply saying don't worry about it we'll speak later we can't tell you that now and and that, I think that is a root of a lot of frustration that the drivers probably currently feel. Um, I remember yesterday when Leclerc had the hydraulic issue, um, he asked why do we have a, another stop and why it was so long. It was simply just said to him that we'll, we'll tell you later after the race. Yeah. Uh, I'm not it's sure really how you feel cool. as a driver. <laughs> you've just been made to pit. You've pretty much lost every position. You've come out last and then you've been told that yeah. Don't worry about it, just get on with it.
0: I mean how difficult is it for a team to team to tell the tell the driver it's a hydraulic issue? Obviously they were not doing anything illegal because they made no effort to hide it. So why not just tell the driver openly it was a hydraulic issue?
1: Yeah. It, I, I don't
0: know. It'll possibly put the driver at ease. He won't have to worry about his team any longer, he can focus on driving.
1: That's what I was saying. I think this is this is uh this has been ingrained in Ferrari culture. Yeah. And Ferrari, I'll, I'll tell you yeah.
0: something. If Ferrari had the 2017 chassis with the 2019 engine, which would probably be the greatest car I've ever seen in my life, yeah. um, even then, with the way things are the team, they would not be winning. Regardless of how strong, of, If even if they had the pace advantage of Mercedes this season.
1: Yeah. Papaji's back, by the way. Uh, guys, welcome back. Sorry um, for the
0: inconvenience. The return of the Jedi. <laughs> the You're, right. The Jedi You're right. You're right
1: even even with the 2017 chassis and 2019 engine they wouldn't because they would just fail on strategy i mean we know that 2017 and 18 probably 18 definitely i think slightly more than 2017 or up the way the other way around yep. but either way they they had the car to win a championship and it's just just failing at strategy not respecting the drivers or how they're feeling or taking their feedback live feedback on board um, yeah it's always it's always been handicap for them
0: Yep, certainly. Yeah, I think, uh, that's all I, that's all my take on the Ferrari. I just hope that they sort out the dynamics of the team. Maybe they need a sterner team principal in, uh, not for the drivers, but for the, um, for the engineers, for the strategic department, all of all of that, because I think Benotto is a little too lenient. Uh, he's a great, and he's a great technical director, but I'm not sure about his capabilities as a team principal. Um, yeah,
2: moving yeah. on. Bad- I, I, Sorry, Baba. Uh, no.
0: Ferrari.
2: Yeah. We haven't heard you talk about Ferrari yet. I mean, it's fine. You can go on. I want to say that it, I think obviously that their strategy is extremely lackluster. But I guess Mercedes actually pulls out way more stronger strategies than they usually given credit for. So I don't know about that. Probably what you were saying along the lines of the chassis and engine combination, they could have taken it away purely on competition. So I wish those days come soon.
0: Yeah, that would be a beautiful day. And I think the Ferrari, comparing the dominant Ferrari era to the dominant Mercedes era, there's one thing they have in common. Um, they take, they read live information better than anyone else on the grid. Uh, and Ferrari were famed for having that four pit stop strategy, which won, um, Schumacher, the Grand Prix at France. Uh, decisions like that which are extremely out of the box but at the yep. same time put, give the driver the edge with an already good car. If you do that with yep. Charles Leclerc, you are not going to lose.
1: So what Schumacher, Schumacher had in, uh, sorry, Robert, so what Schumacher had in addition to a fantastic car was a safe space that was created by the likes of Jean Todd and Ross Braun where there was a massive amount of trust between all of them uh, um, and there was a lack of, well, not much questioning of each other's decision or mistrust of, you know, what the other person going to do. And I think that was a great environment and that's yeah, what's was, been missing.
2: I was going to say the exact same thing of Black Sheep touched upon. The, these guys don't have Ross Braun and John Todd to help them out in the pit wall. Those, those guys are legends in their own aspects. Respect yep. if you bring in Schumacher into the picture. So though you need to have some sort of an X factor on the pit wall too. And for now it doesn't seem like Ferrari have that that leadership kind of, you know, think on the fly, take the yep. responsibility for all the decisions. They're always like tossing the ball to someone else. Or like, like it's playing hot potato in their pit wall or something like, no you, no you. So that's quite- well, They seem to be
1: just responsive to the situation as it unfolds as opposed to making their own decision um and trying out whatever they need to try out
2: true i
1: agree okay Okay. yep we've spoken enough about ferrari i think today and in a lot of podcasts we do discuss that we're not going to spend too much time on ferrari but eventually we end up doing so there's just too much Um, frustration
0: this is a venting safe space to vent
1: yeah but a little bit of a silver lining now because we're moving along to Kimi raikkonen uh the quickest ferrari driver A Ferrari engine driver,
2: yep. yesterday. Also the reigning Ferrari F1 champion. <laughs> <possibly>. <laughs> yeah, Kyle, can you, so you believe it's
0: been 13 years?
2: Yeah. It's, Ferrari. 5, 000, it's coming up to 5,000 days now. So within uh, half a year, it'll be yeah. 5,000 days of Kimi being the reigning champion. We can so really tell Baba's
0: been missing it if he is counting the days.
2: But... Exactly, I was <laughs> going say <exactly> that. <laughs> But Kimi had a
0: great race. Uh, drove well, I think um had he had fresher tires or a slightly more powerful engine he may have gotten points but um yeah that's stable drive from Kimi today spa is always a strong track for him
2: yeah strategy was nice as well it was basically the same strategy what other people are running but he managed to get it much better out of it so bas- uh, Kimi pitted on lap 10 and went to the end well pitted on lap 11 went to the end but somehow raikkonen comes up on top of the ferrari so that should say dividends as to how he performed his chassis today and his vehicle completely today agreed. i mean yesterday yeah so there's not much more to say because the race was eventful in terms of we didn't get to see him much there was a point at which he was trying to catch kivyat but then the gap started extending way too easy towards the end of the stint on the Hards. yep so there's not much to say more on that
0: well, Kimi had to go to an an alpha to finally beat Vettel, but it, it happened.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, he wasn't demoted, he was promoted. Of course.
0: Um, yeah, anything else on Kimi, Lakshi? Uh
1: No, no, no. Uh, I think Great Race. Uh, I'd like to say that German Nazi was only round about two tenths off him in qualifying. Uh, I'm not sure where I'm going with that, but yeah, just wanted to bring that out. <laughs>
0: Good drive, good quality by Jovanotti. Yeah, yeah. Kvyat, um, interesting performance, ups ups and downs throughout the session. Um, do you think he maximizes race result?
2: Baba, what you go? think? I think he started on the wrong tire in terms of where he was supposed to be put, but it worked out towards the safety car. He did out qualify Gasly for the first time in the entire year, so. That looked that showed sure promise for the session, uh, for the race, but somehow he didn't show his lap one prowess which we are used to seeing. Or probably he started on the wrong tire to push because he started on the mediums. But I guess that just shows how much better Gasly was. He took on a harder compound and he was able to make up positions. I'm
0: sorry, didn't I guess... he? Yet make up. I think f- five position. Or...
2: he did make
1: make up. Yeah, I think he did make up uh, several positions. And then the safety car, I think, neutralized quite a quite a bit of things.
0: I think there's one way we can confirm this, and that is by moving to streamlabs and moving to the live timing to check out where, uh, uh, how. Uh,
2: Fiat's
0: yeah, it looks like he dropped a position at the, on the first
2: lap. It wasn't looking up for him. Yes. Even though he was on the softer compound in terms of uh, compared to Gasly, I guess it leads to. He did do well in Koli, so we can't really blame the track. So I don't know what went wrong with him. I guess he was sandwiched in the few incidents. He had a few couple of hairy incidents in the lap one. I don't know. We won't be able to tell because lap one was all about the front runners. Maybe once we get the onboards online by Liberty Media, we can tell more as to what went wrong with his initial start.
0: Yep, definitely. Moving I on to... Say, sorry, go ahead. Anything specific? I'm sorry, I was just going to say... Uh...
1: I don't think anything specifically went wrong with his start. I think we only feel that way because his teammate hasn't had an exceptional first lap. Um, And everybody around him pretty much stayed in the same position.
2: True. That can also be the thing, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's also, because that's, you're right, he probably qualified P11 or something, or P11, so yeah, it's just... It's not much a neutral net gain or loss for him. It's just that Gasly was out of his mind.
0: Yeah, that that is true. Uh, yeah, he did qualify P11, like you can see over here. Um, but yeah, I think that's all that I had from Kvyat's point of view. I really don't. Uh, I don't think it was an exceptional drive from him. But yeah, the strategy did handicap him a little bit.
1: True. Cool. Okay. Very excitingly, we now move into the top 10, uh, and very notably to Sergio Perez, who I think would have been very frustrated yesterday as to why he wasn't pitted. I just cannot for the life of me imagine or think of why they decided to leave him out on soft tyres, and they knew that they were not going to last any more than four or five laps. So
2: that what's What, what was
1: the point of that?
2: Could have been the call from the car itself, if Perez was feeling comfortable on the tyres, but it is it's a, it's a lost game, because there's no, no way you take that advantage of a safety car. Yeah, But he did gain up positions towards the end, so can say.
1: Well, he did a fantastic job, I think, in gaining positions back up. Um...
2: He was dead last, I guess, at one point, right? But uh, Yeah, he so. came back last.
0: I actually want to club the two racing points together here, because despite the lack of optimal strategy calls by the team um they both seem to be a little off the pace they seem to take a while to get their tires working and even when they did they didn't have the um, dominant straight line speed that they had in quali nor did they have um race space which reflects the strength of their car and some of the other grand prix.
2: Is it something to do with their car being uh, handling different on full fuel load? Because they always seem to be not having that initial burst of performance in the start of the GPs. They're always performing yeah. towards the end of it or in the quali.
0: To be honest, it was very reminiscent of the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. Or was it the mm-hmm. Silverstone Grand Prix when Stroll really struggled on uh, in race trim? True. Yeah, True. it
1: was the first race, I think. Yeah, yeah. it
0: was the Silverstone Grand Prix. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's an issue that they need to sort out. This maybe an issue with getting the tyres in the right window or or keeping the tyres in the right window or maybe the way the car reacts on full fuel load. They seem to be good in mm-hmm. quality, but I think that's about it.
2: Yeah, uh, that being said, we discussed about how the midfield were lapping almost exactly the same way. So, the fact that Gasly and Perez could actually make up positions from the back of the grid just shows that they were one, uh, one inch ahead of everyone else. And if Perez was probably pitted, he could have gained more positions. Yeah. So that's the more, It's all about we can add to it. Stroll had an uneventful race, just did what he could best.
0: Completely agree with yeah. you. Coming on to Pierre Gasly. Uh, to be honest, my driver of the day, uh, despite being a little screwed over by the safety car, he did mm-hmm. jump back well. Uh, he's making more and more of a case for himself. For that, uh, for that Red Bull seat, uh, let's be honest. Like he can, his performances cannot be ignored by uh, Marco or Christian Horner for far, for, for much longer.
2: True, true. But it is they are all about PR, and I don't think it will look nice when you just demote and promote all the time.
0: They need to be more
2: about PG.
1: Okay, so one thing I'm going to say about Gasly, wasn't he around P8 when the safety car came out? No. Okay, he was
2: PA. P5, right? Because he didn't he was pit. P4 when he didn't pit, and everyone else went in. So no, no, before okay. that, oh, the safety
1: car came out. Yeah.
2: He was probably P7 or P8, I think, somewhere on there. Let's take a Correct. look. So let's check the timings. So we've got. What I'm
1: trying option. to get to is, it wasn't a massive gain leaving him out, right? Because he could have done, let's say, if he's—I mean, he was hamstrung because he was—he started on the on the hards. But could he have could the team have brought him in, put him on softs, gone aggressive, and then for another soft stop? Instead of staying out on the on the hards, falling behind, because as soon as the, the race resumed in about three or four laps he was back at P seven and P eight, where he basically was at the start of the safety car. So,
2: so it wouldn't it, seem to give him
1: any advantage leaving it him out. Was
2: the tire would screwed him over right he couldn't go on the mediums and going for a two-stop would be not ideal because of the times people were doing they're quite close to each other it would be a huge uh, it would be a huge task to go through traffic and actually make up so much time i don't know
1: that's what i disagree with so he was around p8 and if he would have pitted he would have remained in p8 and the fact that he didn't pit he stayed in p5 and then in about three laps after the race resumed, he was down to P8, and then he pitted again. So it didn't seem to make any difference at all, right? So he could have yes, easily pitted, stayed in P8, but got on to the soft tyres, made up some positions, and done the, you know, the, the final stop that he eventually did.
2: Yeah. I, but think... I don't think he'd make the delta for the pit for the one more stop, though.
0: Yeah. So That's... I think I know why, uh, why, why they did that. Um, if you noticed, the... So Tauri have been brilliant at setting up the car for the race over quali, and if you look at the size of the rear wing that Gasly and Fiat were running, uh, I assume, and I can only, int- I can only have like I can only do some guesswork over here, but I can assume that Tauri thought that they had enough straight line speed and they were running an aggressive, in- aggressive enough downforce setup to keep some of the of quicker runners behind them at bay um, and i don't think that worked out too well it worked out certainly well enough for gasly to keep Al- the likes of albon behind him for so long despite having fresher tires um fresher medium tires that too so yeah i think Alpha tauri probably uh depended on gasly to hold his position um didn't really work out too well for him because he got eaten up by a few a few drivers uh, that being said, I did mention Gasly was on a handicap strategy. Whenever you're on hard tires and a safety car comes out on lap two or three, uh, you are immediately at a disadvantage. Well, lap three or lap four?
2: Either way. Lap 10. Well hence hence
1: my suggestion, just go the other way, just do complete a complete aggressive so, strategy.
2: Black sheep. So in terms of what you're saying of the two stopper, as you can see there's a one more guy who did the two stoppers in the likes of Leclerc. He couldn't even pass Vettel who was on the one-stop. So I don't get to see where you could see Gasly getting the pit delta down again and actually coming back in two points. Because the the there is there is live examples of people who ran the two stop and there was severely deficit to the guys who stayed out and did the one stopper. I think
1: Leclerc is a good comparison for him. Uh, there was just no no comparison to between the Alphatari and Ferrari, I think, yesterday. But I think what I'm trying to say is that if he had pitted on softs, stayed on softs and come out in P8, let's say, on his second stint, he could have moved up to P6, P5, P4, even maybe, on the softs. Um, and then in, on his the second stop, instead of coming out dead last, because of the fact that he had pushed on the softs on his second stint, he would have come out, you know, maybe P14, P15, instead of coming out P18, 19
0: so I think Gasly did a one stop, not a two stop. Yeah, he did a one stop. He did a one stop, yeah, and he did a one stop. Yeah, and I think that actually was the right decision because, given the strength of the Alpha Tauri in in yesterday's race, they were able to hang on to the cars ahead, uh, purely with the strength of DRS and uh, they were losing, they were gaining that deficit on the straights that they were losing in the corners with the older tyres. So okay. Gasly. While not having not pitted, uh, he was able to hook onto the slipstream of the cars ahead to keep some of the car. even if he got overtaken once, maybe twice. He was able yeah. to hold his position reasonably well, while, good point. Ki- while killing everyone's tyres around him.
1: Okay, makes sense. I agree with that. Yeah. So it was a good choice, I think. And um, maybe it's the it's the strategy with less risk as well, so I guess. Certainly. Yeah.
0: yeah. Moving on for me to Lando Norris. Oh... Um, uh, yeah. We didn't uh, see a lot of
1: lot of him. He did he did have a good start, I think. He had an exciting time in the first stint. Um but it was a bit of a sort of not much going on after everybody was on the hard tires and he couldn't really compete with the runners. Um I mean he was B nine. He,
2: right? he ended up he was he started P nine something, B10, right? B10, so yeah. P ten. Yeah. So so he had, I would say, it was a quite decent race um, because we're considering the fact that all the people are just parading around each other in a train non-stop. He managed to make some overtakes on the racing points, and if there were a few laps left, he was going to catch Albon the same way that how we uh, we assumed Ricardo would. This Norris was, I think, three tenths or four tenths of Albon. He just needed one more lap, and that was all on the basis of uh, that he overtook all these cars while going up from P10. And that was all towards the end of the race on the uh, one tires. So I think he had quite a decent race for his for the entire like race-specific atmosphere of people not gaining much positions on their start. Okay, so
1: so that point you made about the fact that he started P10, and finished P7. A couple of caveats there. His teammate was P7. He didn't join the race, so that's one position up already. Uh, then you had the likes of Sergio Perez who were screwed over by the strategy and he was trying to make his way back up um so that was another sort of non-on-track battle position won simply by the fact that perez was screwed over by strategy um so that's a couple of quick positions but what i was trying to say is that he didn't he had a few battles at the beginning of the race but then i guess he was just in a sort of train by himself uh with not anybody else to fight because there was no obviously not going to be any challenge from anyone behind him for the Ferraris or Raikkonen or, you know, Perez just ran out of laps or tyres towards the end and there was nothing he could do up ahead with, um, I guess, Gasly and Albon uh, in the Red Bull and the Renaults with the speed.
2: Yeah, I agree with you on that the, because yeah. I, him catching Albon was also purely on Albon trying to extend his mediums past 33 laps. So, yeah. I agree with you. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, yeah,
0: I think Norris uh, did. I don't think Norris would have overtaken Albon um, because purely. Wait, did Ocon break out of DRS from Albon within that lap? I think, one,
2: uh, think so.
1: Back off. Sorry, DRS well, from Albon? Yeah,
0: yes. when he overtook oh, on lap once 43, 43 or 44, when he overtook Albon, did he break out of DRS from Albon?
1: Uh, Very easily, yes. Very, very quickly. Then
0: yeah, then Norris would have overtaken Albo, no problem. Because both of them have Renault engines and very similar performance. Both Ocon and Norris, yeah. Sorry, a bit of a question segue there, but I just wanted to double-check on that. Um, I was
1: You you raised that about the similar performance. I was going to ask you, why was it that Renault just looked so much on the pace and McLaren didn't with the same engine?
0: I'm just going to put it down to setup. That um, McLaren probably uh, they realized that they had the re- had a good engine this year, but yeah. at the same time, uh, and they probably tried to uh, they probably thought they could uh, put a little more downforce onto the car, which mm-hmm. uh, and I think the Renault this season is extremely aerodynamically efficient. Uh, so they have that uh, capability to take some of the downforce off the car without costing them too much on pace. Whereas in some of the higher downforce tracks, McLaren are uh, are good because they don't need to take the downforce off the car. But but when they do, um, it isn't as grippy as the works Renault.
1: But you wouldn't you think that they they probably have a better chassis to be able to deal with that anyway?
0: Chassis yes, aerodynamic aer, aerodynamics I don't think so.
1: Is Belgium a very air-driven track?
0: My, but my well, point, the, point, the point I'm making here is that uh, they struggle to take they struggle to take downforce off the car, but on tracks okay. where they don't need to, like Silverstone, for example, yep. the performance is far more matched on pure pace. So I would say McLaren cool. probably has a better chassis, whereas the Renault cool. probably has better aerodynamic efficiency. Makes sense. For that, matter, okay. for that matter, Ferrari probably has better downforce than the than the lot of them, Then I mean, yeah. Rena- Renault and McLaren. But when it comes to aerodynamic efficiency, Ferrari showed that they are way behind uh, their comp- competition. Yes, yes.
1: True, agree. Uh, I'm not really looking forward to this one because I know Baba is probably going to have a-, a rant about Albon once again. But go on, Baba, let's queue you up first, get you out of the way, uh, and then we can move on.
2: It's okay. Only yeah, have a few things to say. He's only one of the top runners who didn't gain a position on his qualifying, which was It would be nice for a midfield car. But he drives a Red Bull, so please give car to someone else. <laughs> uh, and short her.
0: and sweet. Okay, short and sweet. Nice, but I think uh, I'm not going to blame Albon at all. Uh, no. I think I think Red Bull really messed him up. Uh, Yes. Yep. He uh, did a
1: softer medium, didn't softer
0: he? Softer mediums, and he <laughs> kept those mediums alive till the end. I think it was. I felt. Te- I felt really bad for him when Ocon overtook him. It was. It was definitely coming, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, what were Red Bull thinking? First of all, if you look at the size of the rear wing, they did not give him a good race, a competitive race car in a straight line. And while they were quicker over one lap, they were going to struggle to be closer. There was no doubt about that.
2: Yeah, but they weren't quicker over one lap. He out, got out qualified by Renault.
0: Fair enough. Renault were very, very good, not taking anything away from Renault. But let's face it, the Red Bulls in race trim are one of the best cars on the grid, second best car on the grid, easily and by a margin. And Verstappen shows that, shows that every a day in and day out. I'm not saying Albon is as good as Verstappen. I would never say that in a million years, even if I was about three bottles of whiskey down. But, yeah. Albon was definitely looking on pace yesterday. He was making overtakes, maybe a bit maybe made a bit more difficult due to that larger rear wing. But <clears throat> sorry, my voice is going a bit. But he is he did the best. He maximized the result given the strategy.
2: Yeah, but he wasn't getting past Ricardo. Or he the only reason he got past Ocon in the first place was because of the botched double pit stop in the Renner pit wall. So I don't think along any of the lines that he was even Mm. matching in the race trim because on lap one he got overtaken by Ocon Mm. and Ocon kept the position all the way up to safety car. And then post that, uh, uh, Albon was on a fresher tyre compared to Ocon so it's naturally assumed that he's going to be faster. So I didn't see at any point in the race where he showed the strength that he has that he usually shows in race trim. Other than you know turning the AI down to 50 and then overtaking from 20 to P6.
0: No, I understand that completely, Baba. But my entire argument here is that um, losing a lap place on lap one isn't too much of a big deal. It's not very car dependent. It's more on whatever else. But I think that being stuck, let's face it, he got he was on all the p- wrong parts of the track, and not his fault, but probably a either strategy issue or luck or whatever it is he was always stuck in DRS trains. So getting through traffic was that much tougher for him.
2: Yeah, but he was sort of in clean air post the safety, yes, safety car. But that again is in terms to his tyre, that I was giving out into it, and that I'll give kudos to him for how long he kept Ocon behind him, even though his tyres were, were wearing out lap yeah. by lap. So yeah, it's fine. So what you're saying is that it's
0: his fault he was there in that position in the first place. If He had, had a better qualifying. He would have had a much better race. Either
2: he, he qualifying is another thing altogether. He's been failing that non-stop, <laughs> uh, so that is fine. That is something. I so agree about, about the lap one, that's that is a lap one. He, everyone is praising his race strength, but he got smoked by uh, Renault in lap one in terms Actually. of where he could keep the position. And post the LeCom section, it's all a train. We know that he missed the jump for the most important part of the race.
1: Okay, I'm going to mention something about lap one that you're saying. Yeah. Ocon's quote unquote overtake on Albon on lap one wasn't as much of an overtake as it was just the conditions at Les Source, usually uh, at Spa on lap one. Um, he was just not—he just didn't find himself in the in the right part of the track with the cars around him. Um, I remember at the exit of Le Com is where he had a slight snap of oversteer because. Albon was right, he was literally, sorry not Albon, Ocon was sitting on the curbs on his left. So he didn't have as much, he realized suddenly that Ocon is next to him and he doesn't have as much room and that sort of compromised his run up to, you know, the Kevin Strait. So I don't think Ocon's passing Albon was as much an overtake um, as it was just how Lap 1 was. Yeah but that's the same
2: for everyone, right? Everyone yeah, it is the same say, for everyone,
1: but I think it's not really that it was it was nothing he did wrong, or his lack of pace or his lack of performance. Yeah. Uh, he got caught out by just trying to be over careful at lap one. True. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, your second point you made after the the pit stop that he was he was basically in clean air, he couldn't get past the Renault. You've got to remember, <laughs> Renault is very very quick, um, and you know your. No, he was
2: past the Renault. He only got past the Renault because of the safety car. At uh, he was sitting behind the this, this Renault pre-safety car and then post-safety car he was leading and then the Renault caught up to yes, him towards my bad, the my end. Bad.
1: So he was sandwiched between the two runners, but you know, the start of the sa- restart of the safety car, he had Daniel Ricciardo ahead of him who was in great slipstream from everybody ahead of him too. Um, and that <laughs> Renault was very quick in a straight line.
2: Another point we didn't bring up is how yeah, Alban couldn't catch Ricardo on a softer compound. That's another different topic entirely. We yeah, had the safety car restart to do that. So again, that I'd give you that.
1: Uh, but I think Ricardo was somewhat in I don't know. I think Ricardo was uh, truly had a fantastic race. I mean, for some reason, yeah he was, he was
2: definitely quick, in the zone quick,
1: quicker than everybody else on the same tire with the fastest lap on the last lap. So I think I'd put it down to the fact that Ricardo just had too much pace on too much speed. And after the first two laps, after the safety car restart, he probably would have been in somewhat in the DRS range here and there to Verstappen anyway. Um, my point is, it would have been difficult to catch Ricardo, um, especially in a straight line from turn one to, to turn five. And then for the rest of the lap, you're just sitting behind somebody uh, with not much opportunity to overtake. True, true. Even and more. mediums can, like, you know, if with mediums, if you don't make the move initially and, you know, sit in clean air, then you just compromise, <laughs> uh, which is exactly what happened. His tyres just fell away after that. And hards actually were doing very well yesterday. We saw that with Gasly in his first stint and pretty much everybody else, they comfortably lasted to the end of the race, uh, which mediums wouldn't have. And I think Albon would have known that. So he would have been slightly more conservative on his tyres because... Stretching mediums for thirty-six laps, man—that um, that's a big ask.
2: True, true, true. That I agree with you. Yeah. So we can move on to Ocon now. Not a decent best qualifying, I guess, for him all season. I think and it's the that... best
1: result in the season so far in a race, isn't
2: it? True, true. It is. Why? I, think I think it's I overall try. also best result, if I'm not wrong.
0: Is it overall best result? Yeah.
2: Yes, I think I so. Think during so. Even, even during his racing point times, he got shafted in the uh, Spa race. That was the only time they were way up. Let's do a bit of research quick, quick. on the fly, shall we? Yes, why not? Our best result? Let's... I could be, I could be I wrong. I hope didn't I have.
1: Didn't he have a fantastic result at Spa last year itself? Because racing points were...
2: Yeah, last year he wasn't three, racing.
1: Four. You mean... Oh, sorry. 2018. Yeah. Force
2: for India. Yeah. That was there, I think they got the incident with Perez or was it the, the year before that, twenty seventeen? I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I am looking at all of his results. He's had a P five in Mexico before with Force India. Uh same in Spain. I think he's matched his best ever result, if I'm not wrong.
2: Yeah, that could be that could be the case, yep. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I guess it's matched with good good performance by him. And he certainly not bad. I think for the first time uh this season he's actually showed up. Um I'm not, I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I mean uh, it does take a while for a driver to get accustomed, especially while, when being, while being out for a season. And uh, he is yep. a good driver, like we I think he's proved. And to stay on the radar of Mercedes for so long doesn't happen very easy. Um, so yeah, true yeah. Goes to him, and he certainly clawed his way back into the race um, by overtaking a faster car. Of the, that is the Red Bull.
2: True. True. Mm-hmm. He almost kept the net position which he had at the start of the race, which he worked hard for. So I guess that's all he could have done, the best, because Ricardo was on another level. I guess we should talk about Ricardo more now.
0: Both the Renaults kept their positions from the start. Uh, Daniel Ricardo, uh, brilliant qualifying, uh, brilliant race. I was honestly hoping—I don't like hoping for a for an incident—but I was hoping that one of the Mercedes would have an issue so that Ricardo would finally get his podium because it's fun to see him up there. Let's be honest; he's a fun driver to watch. Yeah. Now
1: that you mentioned it, the most exciting part, point in the race for me, is a point where I actually jumped out of my seat and almost had a shout. Was when <laughs> Hamilton said, Loss of power, loss of power. <laughs> true,
2: true, true. Yeah. That was fighting everyone held
1: mental And I was like, Oh my God, Daniel is going to have a podium.
0: It just shows what Mercedes have really done to the sport. Not in a bad way, but not not like. Anything wrong that they've done, but they've just built such a dominant car that people are hoping that something goes wrong just for some excitement and yeah. some shuffling of the podium.
2: They've not <laughs> even built a dominant car for the speed; they've built it for the reliability. So we're not even having yeah. any sorts of DNS. That's even worse, man. Yeah. Come I on. think Germans are. You something.
0: Germans are known for one thing: it's their beer yeah. and their reliability. And I don't know how True. the two go together, but anyway, yeah. I think. Yeah, is
1: the reason for reliability
2: dude we were talking about it we while we were watching the reliable. race with the irc team When we were watching the race we were like hoping we started having an argument about should hamilton have the retirement or not and i'm like let's just give all the top three the retirement and let's have ricardo win the race for all i care and yeah. that's the only only reason when all of us have one unanimous agreement as to how the dns should go about that ricardo yeah. should probably win the race with Do three think... retirements on top i want to
0: mean something uh, when was the last time Renault won a race? Alonso era.
2: Yes. No. Yeah, Alonso 2009, I guess. Oh, sure. That's FMS a long. one.
0: That's a long time ago. Maybe.
2: Really? Uh, yeah, Singapore. I think the Lotus Renault, if I, if you're counting, then recent, quite. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, it has a late
1: Japanese Grand Prix. Wow, 12 years ago.
0: Do you think R- Ricardo deserves a drive with Mercedes? Do you think that he would probably be a better second driver to Lewis Hamilton? Or do you think he'd be better than Lewis Hamilton? I think he'd beat Lewis Hamilton, hands down. But uh, I think he would. Yeah, I think he would. Yeah, but 19, I, think, he would I think he's
1: getting there, isn't he, slowly? He's going to be in the McLaren next year with a Mercedes-powered engine. So I think he's going to have a great...
0: I don't I think mean, you can see a 28-year-old driver really getting there. Especially not one... I was of,
1: exactly about to that. was going to be my next point.
0: Especially not one who's <laughs> taken it to Max Verstappen. He's beaten Max Verstappen in more seasons than Verstappen has beaten.
1: True. Sure.
0: That's just a fun fact for all of you who think Verstappen will win a World Championship as World Championship material. He certainly, is on pace, not mentality. Uh, I will argue that to my grave. But anyway, back to Ricardo. If he was in the Mercedes today, there is no way in hell Lewis Hamilton would have beaten him. Absolutely no way.
2: True. I would I would say that lap the T one would be so much more interesting. You wouldn't see yeah. the backing out attitude of the bot himself but
0: yeah Yeah. and i'd love to see ricardo in a car which has the front grip for him to be later on the brakes i am genuinely looking
1: forward to next year uh ricardo in the mclaren with a mercedes engine yes Yes. yeah, fantastic chassis and i think that they have every opportunity to take it up
2: uh, no so we're not disappointed because this seems really good on paper, but most things are good Let's not
0: jinx it, let's not jinx it, going to be crap next year,
2: let's not jinx it, please. Okay. I'm just... no. <laughs> if, what if we say it will be crap and then we'll, we're knowing our luck. We'll
1: like... jinx the crapness.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay well, that... let's, <laughs> let's, let's move on to Crash Tapin. And...
0: Uh, okay, now Max, uh, in all honesty, he had a He's improving tremendously in terms of mentality. I know I made a few comments earlier, but yeah. that's, that's his younger, younger days. He's certainly maturing into a very, very dangerous, when I say dangerous, I mean in terms of <laughs> competitiveness, not in terms of his earlier days, uh, but, but yeah, sensible driver and when I say sensible, I don't mean slow and steady. I mean, very, very, very fast and steady. Um, he certainly outdrove the car in terms of keeping Bottas honest. Um, that's the most he could do, with, given the car he has and the pace deficit to the Mercedes. So yeah, kudos to Max. Quiet race overall. Kept it, kept Bottas honest. Not much else to say.
2: Given the yeah. top three, uh, there is the, given the top three, they all driving literally the race on their own. So not much to say about all of them. Literally everyone's driving in clean air. No one is feeling the heat from anywhere. So yeah, it's
1: pretty much the order of the season now. It's it's becoming the norm. Verstappen yeah. is pretty much by himself, and the Mercedes are up front. I have a fantastic suggestion, which I'm sure everybody will agree with here. I think what they should do is take Hamilton, Bottas, and Verstappen, put them in their car, and every circuit, you know, they, they have the uh, the smaller inner circuits where they have uh, the uh, go-kart racing. Yeah. Uh, so they yeah. should just put them on the go-karting track and let everybody else race. Uh, <laughs> they can still keep their P1, P2, P3 but at least they wouldn't be visible on television.
2: True, true. Just award them the points already and let us have a Formula 1.25, I guess.
1: Yeah, just give them the championship. They can either go home or get their cars to the karting circuit.
2: True, true. That's that's how lame it is up front. I was so disappointed with this race. This is literally my favorite race track, my favorite calendar date of the year and it was yep. so fucking bland i can't take it it was really i was just hoping that and kudos to the f1 tv director who stopped showing hamilton every lap Goddamn, damn from like last year and we could, we just saw hamilton like once in a while and if you, if you see hamilton on screen you're like does he have an incident <laughs> something wrong with this car and you just yeah. pray for that stuff but yeah i guess i we, we should have a better race next next week i think at monza uh-huh.
1: I like the use of that word, um, Formalake. I think we can call this Formalake 1. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Uh, what more is I there don't... to say about the Mercedes? Bottas falling behind Hamilton, Hamilton leading at the front.
2: Uh, yeah. It's just... We can just probably touch up on the quali and how Bottas was 5 tenths of Hamilton. I think this track was one of Hamilton's better tracks and Bottas didn't clearly have any grips on this track at all, so yeah, this was quite a weird issue because the way Hamilton was going in second sector was purely just stunning. The last...
0: I think it's the only car which hit 300 kilometers per hour at one. All of the other cars were at 290-ish. It just shows, yeah. uh, to, I think the max the Red Bull reached, the max max reached. Was two ninety three or two ninety two kilometers per hour? The Mercedes, I think, were the only car to hit three hundred through on.
2: That's scary, to be honest.
0: It's a corner, damn it. Yep, <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe that. Anyway, Mercedes, the the Mercedes car just don't take like corners seriously. Let's be honest but you've got
1: to give it to them it is amazing to see a driver have that much know that i've got the trust in this car that nothing is going to go down if i go 300 miles an hour down this corner downhill with the change in elevation and direction flat out uh, going half on the curb which frankly can sometimes unsettle your car here and there yeah um it is it is a fantastic piece of piece of engineering
0: summarizing Ooh. the mercedes mm-hmm. season so far in a nutshell Brilliant car, brilliant team, decent drivers. Sorry, I'm not going to admit Hamilton is brilliant, but he's been driving brilliantly. He drove really brilliant, 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 a brilliant qualifying yesterday on Saturday. And but that is
1: the measure for a for a brilliant driver. Okay, What, fine, what fair else expect expecting to do? I mean, he's I'll, consistently been I'll the driver. Don't
2: talk driver about Hamilton being a brilliant that... driver. He's got six world, seven world championships. Fair enough. Also. Fair enough. Fair don't enough. talk about. It. But don't in the don't olden there, days talk about. It.
0: In the olden days, if a driver had made a mistake at the bus stop should yeah. feel like Hamilton made with that huge lockup and cutting the yeah. bus stop, I guarantee you, he would not have run the race. That being said, the complete trust in the team to the driver, the driver to the strategic team, the driver to the car, everything put together is is a benchmark of teamwork, engineering and individual contribution that team is one of the strongest teams in terms of synergy that i have ever seen in my life including a team with of schumacher john todd and rubens Barrichello, and that is saying a lot
1: they i think it is the out. most the most uh synergized team ever. yeah
2: i don't think there's anything yeah. that tops yeah. I mean, for each, for of the, team, each of those elements had some sort of an x factor but this seems more like a well-oiled team you know like it does it just, does I think there was some emotion
0: behind that Ferrari team. This is pure um, it's efficiency.
1: I saw I saw a post-race interview with Hamilton, where I think he was asked something to the extent of like, you know, how's the environment in the team, and how happy is the team when he went back after the race with your win? And he said the mentality of the of the team right now is such that when I went back into the team, uh, into the paddock and the garage and the team room. Everybody had already, the strategists, had already started talking about, discussing about Monza next uh, next weekend and planning for that and how they can build the right car and setups for the next season. That's how ruthlessly hardworking they are in their mentality.
2: True, true. true. I, I would like to say that I think they're just bored of winning, but no one will believe me. <laughs> so, so, so I guess that's fine. Bit, <laughs> it, I, do it, you it, think what they're discussing on how yeah, to win I, the race
0: how to make it interesting?
2: yeah just take a tire out of mercedes and remove the eighth again
0: uh, they'd still win let's be, they, hamilton did it in silverstone with three tires you can do it in <laughs> Monza.
2: okay i think we should summarize our review right now but now let's yes. give our final dotds and what we thought of the race let's start with your black sheep
1: okay so i'm gonna say yesterday was the first time ever that i actually voted for a driver of the day and i actually voted for ricardo 'Cause I genuinely thought that was a fantastic performance and qualifying. Even though I was torn between Gasly and Ricardo Ricardo for much of the race, as soon as he did the fastest lap, I was like, yes, I'm I'm it's like I was right in my in my vote for him. Um nothing taken away from Gasly. I think in a rather boring and dull race yesterday, those two guys were the only people that made it somewhat watchable. True.
0: Yeah, Mara, what do you think? Ricardo had a bit of a lonely race. Um but that's not always a demerit for the driver. It just mean he was that much quicker than the rest of the field. Um, so yeah, certainly I'm gonna I'm going to say that it was between Ricardo and Gasly for me as well, uh, with Albon on the fringes of it. Uh, but yeah, for me I think the fact that Gasly was handicapped by his team and had to fight through his field a bit, and also the fact that I wouldn't want to give I would I would like to give con- uh, a different driver of the day to Flagship. it would probably be Gasly for me.
2: Yeah, I would like to summarize by saying that Ricardo obviously mad week for him. Totally in the zone, from start to the end, just showed how he managed his tires and got the fastest lap. But I guess I'm more of a flashy guy, so I'll take that o Rouge overtake on the inside by Gasly any time of the week. Yeah, we didn't talk the about that. The way he kept his he kept yeah. his foot planted to do it on there the outside go. is one yeah. one thing. To do it on the inside, that means you're not going to back down at all, you're keeping your foot right there. And luckily enough, it was Perez, I guess, who was next to him, given the respect, and they got through it quite smoothly, and I guess that didn't get much attention, and I'm a fan. That was just a crowning moment for me. It's been a while since you see,
0: I think Fantastic. the last time we saw a side-by-side overtake through Orooge was Bottas, uh, around the outside, I think if it was yeah.
1: a... Was that a Toro Tar-
0: I on think it was a Toro last season. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it just shows that it takes, uh, <laughs> as uh, we saw in Ball. the movie Rush, a big set of balls.
2: Yeah, it's on the inside. It's on the inside. It's not on yeah. the outside. On the outside, you can chicken out midway. You can't chicken out midway on the inside.
1: Yeah. I, I'm going to add something to that. I think it's the obviously fearlessness and skill of the driver, but that is multiplied by recognizing who it is that you're next to and having that trust. Um, I remember the post-race interview that Gasly gave to uh, Will Buxton, uh, where he said that I didn't. Ba- I was thinking of backing out, but I recognised that it was Perez, and I know the skill level of that driver, and that I could trust him, uh, and I didn't take my foot off. So it's great to see that he did recognise that.
2: Yep, it's a good summary of the race, I guess. I'm going uh, Please, I, please.
1: I, I have a, I have a bit of a suggestion. Now that we just went through our driver driver of the day. I think we should start something along the lines of not the driver of the day and how, how does oh, that sound to you guys
2: yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes i i'm up for it i'm up for it so okay, yeah so, i'm okay, gonna uh, give that cake to magnuson the
0: the yand to the yin of the driver of the day is black sheep since you suggested that you go first because you obviously have somebody in mind
1: <laughs> i i generally don't, I absolutely don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> See? I was thinking of the idea and what to call it. That's what I was fixated on mostly and not actually the... Yeah. Not the oh, un- okay. I would
0: say Jeeva uh, Yeah, if you lose a car like that in the first in, you just pretty yeah. much destroyed your race, so... and somebody else... Is- and then it's the
2: second time in a year for him where he's just, you know, making out with the curbs. So it's not not looking bright at all. But for me, the cake is divided between Stroll and Magnussen. Pretty Stroll? bland races. Yep. Stroll didn't have an eventful full race. The way Perez charged up the field, it showed that the car had some sort of a
0: different strategy. Stroll was always on equal or older tires than the cars around him.
1: Yeah.
2: So I can't give him the this thing. For me, it's them both. Magnussen also got beat by Grosjean again. So. Okay.
1: Uh, I think I'll agree with Mara. Um, on Giovinazzi, yeah. Yeah, losing a car better. like that on a on a corner and he didn't it didn't baba you mentioned curves but he i was surprised that because I, I exactly thought the same thing i think he took too much of the inside curve but he didn't it was on throttle at the exit that he lost it
2: yeah but the exit curve was there right? he took more of the exit curves what i was on about
1: no no he started his rear end spun out before he even touched he even got to the exit curve on the right side if that's the curve you're talking about he didn't take much of the inside curb he had a wider entry and he started spinning before he touched the curb on the outside.
2: Oh, okay I might be wrong then sorry Yep Anyway okay. the point yeah I was saying the Magnussen couldn't finish the tires on the same strategy that Grosan was doing he had to put in softs so that's just about it
1: Okay, brilliant. Uh that's our recap for I think the recap has been slightly more entertaining than the race itself yeah. for me personally. Uh yes. and that's probably the uh fantastic company that I have here. Um Okay, so that's me, Black Sheep, Marinada Baby and Babaji. Uh we'll be back again next week with the next edition of Paddock Piss. Uh really looking forward to and also not really looking forward to the next race. Uh, I'm sure people understand why I'm saying that. Um, It's at Monza, Ferrari's home track. Um, But yeah, do tune in uh, and uh, have a chat with us. uh, But also join us for the Tier 1 race uh, and Tier 2 race uh, next weekend, Saturday and Sunday respectively at the Chinese Grand Prix.
2: Sure. Please watch podcast Torai (laughs) Sudoku.
0: Like and subscribe, guys. But to add to Black Sheep's note, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Lack of a party mode uh, shuffles the grid in Monza. Um, Also, uh, this week, we'll be recording um, the next Fireside episode, which will be around the safety regulations in Formula 1. So stay tuned for that and uh, keep an eye on our YouTube channel for more content. All right,
1: cool. Thank you, everybody, and thank you, guys. See you next time.